it is a beautiful day because this is the day that I've actually been waiting for. Yes, this is FRPC's hoops, NBA draft, top 10 prospects. Mm -hmm. I am here with the Canadian Bomber, the Canadian Shaman, the Canadian Zach Lowe, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and the forever Canadian son of Loretta Curran, Nico Miatello. How are you today? I'm I'm doing pretty well today. I'm excited. The the draft is my number one passion, I would say, throughout sports, and the NBA draft is my favorite of all of them. So I'm very excited to get talking about this and go into our top tens. I think uh, both of us have boards that are a little bit unique from consensus. So I'm I'm excited to start to get our opinions out there. Yeah, the one thing that I want to say about it is how I looked at my board is not indicative of where the I think these players will end up. Oh, yeah. This is just my prospects. Mm-hmm. This is what I believe in, and uh, we'll just kind of let it fall where it may because I think I might have a couple of shockers or two. Yeah, yeah. in uh in my top ten, and uh, but I'm confident in all of it. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think. The one thing that I want to kind of get out there before that kind of started this genesis for me, this kind of journey that I've been on, yeah, is that I fell in love with a guy out of TCU three or four years back by the name of Desmond Bain, and I really believed that he was going to be an excellent player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I got notes on him and, you know, talked to people and, and what have you. Um, but I wasn't like out there saying, okay, yeah, I believe like this is a top 10 guy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think I learned a lot from that experience. And I think now I feel really comfortable saying, um, and talking about these prospects in a way where, yes, it, it might defy like conventional wisdom, sort of speak. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it purely as some of it at the top of the draft as instant, like, this is going to help squads. Mm -hmm. I can see it right away. Um, Some people fit perfectly into different systems, a myriad of systems. Mm -hmm. Um, Some are upside. Some you believe in the upside. You believe in the the talent you believe in the uh the the coachability and i think it it took a holistic way a holistic approach and I, like i said again i hope uh you feel confident in your board and uh you know we'll just kind of go from there yeah yeah that sounds good to me i think uh we're both we're both planning a really big shocker here at number one. Uh, we got Victor Wenbanyama. I think we're the only people who. Oh, you only you have Victor at number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that's a pretty wild out there take at this point. I really like this kid out of UConn, Snogo. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, of course we both have Victor number one. We've talked about him several times up to this point. Um, trying to build build hype for the prospect he's going to be. So I'll just uh, 
I don't want to dive too deeply in, mm-hmm. into him, but yeah, just get ready. We're yeah. gonna talk so much about him as this, like you know, as the process goes. Yeah. But we have to mention him as like who we thought was our number yeah, one obviously. guy, and that was our number one guy. Now, here is a sticking point in the draft for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I know I have vacillated throughout this process. Mm-hmm. But I believe that I think that's part of this process, honestly. Yeah. I think if you're so stuck to your <clears throat> whatever conventional wisdoms or what you believe in and this is the construct that I have to have or, or whatever, mm-hmm. I do understand that. But I think there there has to be some openness to seeing a prospect, understanding what they are. So, Nico, with your number two prospect on your board, who would that be? Well, I I personally haven't really vacillated this whole time, and it wasn't a factor of not not opening my mind up because I've watched these guys and I've had guys who I like a lot in this class and that I've moved around constantly. Even just before we got on, I was doing some moving around on my board. But uh, the whole way through, I've seen Scoot Henderson as the locked and loaded number two prospect. Uh, I like him quite a bit. Out of the overtime, uh, out of the G League League Ignite deal. Yeah. I've liked him quite a bit through the entire process. I've liked him since last year. I would rank him personally higher than... Uh, a lot of guys we've seen in recent years, I'd rank him over a guy like Cade, who I also like loved at the time, um, but not not ne- over someone like Zion. I think Zion I would probably have had over Scoot coming into the league, but he's he's one of the best prospects we've seen in the last ten years, and he just has the misfortune of coming out at the same time as a prospect in Victor Wenbanyama, who is. Beyond generational. That's that's it. What you're getting when Scoot is he's a top athlete, and when I say top athlete, I'm I'm selling it short yeah. when I say that. Um, this is a this is a ridiculous athlete, uh, Jordan esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people like Shaden Sharp's athletic ability. I think this is actually a little more explosive yeah. and sudden. His ability to uh, elevate and levitate in the air and then be able to make a decision on passes is remarkable, and I think it's going to be an absolute asset to him at the next level. Mm-hmm. Because if you jump really high and then you're able to stay in the air, yeah, decision-making becomes easy, and he has that. Um, he's... He's a next-level vision guy. He sees the game differently than others. It might take a little use, uh, getting used to with his teammates, but I think once they start to understand if they cut and move, yeah, he'll find them. Um, and then the things that are that jump off the page to me, the who I've talked to and, and what I've kind of gathered on him, mm-hmm. is that he's the ultimate competitor. Yeah, I mean, absolutely ridiculous competitor. He believes that he is the number one prospect in this draft. Um, there is no question in his mind. Uh, I'm not going to tell him any different. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the the two things that kind of hold him back, if you want to throw out like negatives, mm-hmm. um, the jump shot needs work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I believe it will come. Mm-hmm. He's a tireless worker. He is a tireless worker. Damn. So I can understand some people being scared of the jump shot. And then the other thing is that he's at this point, he's six foot two. Um, will he be able to stand up to, mm-hmm. you know, NBA pick and rolls and what have you? I can understand why people would have concerns with that. Um, I did earlier in the process, mm-hmm. but I'll just, I'll say it like this. I really believe this is, um, poor man's pocket LeBron yeah. is kind of what I'm. Yeah. Micro LeBron. Is, yeah. Compared and, to that a few times. And I believe in a lot of assets with this. I mean, the dude actually was a, a actor in a LeBron <laughs> show. Yeah. Yeah, he was. So, um, I mean, there's so much to go off of that. Um, now you said that you didn't, you didn't ask. No, no. Um, and I think part of it, part of it is what you mentioned about the shot. Like, that's a question I never really had personally. Like, I, I understand why people had the question about the shot, but between watching the, the first year of G League Ignite film, which I watched a lot of with him. And seeing the way he got into his form off the dribble in both the mid-range and from three-point range. And the fact that his off-the-dribble shooting was significantly better than his catch-and-shoot shooting like showed me that his form, his form works. Because catch-and-shoot's a lot, a lot easier to improve on. So if he if he had that level of touch from the beginning, I I trusted the shot the whole way through, and I liked the mechanics on it. So that that part was never really a question to me. I I trusted the the floor vision. I think it's the best in the class. He is an incredible passer. So I'm I'm all aboard Scoot Henderson at this point. All right, um, number three on your board. Can I take it real quick? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, I'm going to say this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go ahead and mark it. Um, this person would normally not be on my board. Mm. Okay. Um. I'm putting Brandon Miller three with a deep swallow. Um, you, the talent is is undeniable. I do believe that there's a tier. Um, surprisingly, I think that there's a little bit more to this tier, but a lot of people believe in the NBA who scout. They believe that this is a three three horse draft what have you and you know i don't believe that Mm -hmm. um long smooth graceful athlete uh i think he has a good shot when his feet are set when he gets in the proper shooting mechanics Mm -hmm. i think he does like to do a little bit of like i can do it you know off balance and off platform and all that 
Uh, I think that's where he gets a little out of pocket personally. Um, I actually believe in the shot creation for himself and others. I know that's where you might have had a sticking point. Mm. Um, he's a willing un- on-ball defender. Yeah. I have a problem with that part. That's why he did not go number two. Mm-hmm. Is that I don't I don't think he's strong enough. And but he's a he's a dynamic weak side defender. I mean, he can clean yeah, up stuff. He can for sure. uh, when he's in position to do so. Here's my thing with Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. Whatever the reports are, whatever it is, I don't think we'll ever know what actually happened. I think he knows a lot more than he's letting on. Mm-hmm. And I understand that he is trying to take care of himself. And I understand that he is trying to take care of his future. I do not fault him for that whatsoever. There's a dead person involved in this. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm not gonna lose any sensibility in that. And I'm not demanding that this young man come out and tell me what exactly happened because I think it would damage his future, honestly, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um and that's my own opinion. You can you can take from that for whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But uh Brandon Miller for me, um if I was a talent evaluator in this draft, I would really be um, probably throwing up in my mouth if I had to take them. But mm-hmm. I understand the talent. So, um, who's your number three, Nico? Yeah, I don't. I don't have Brandon quite that high. We'll get into him later <laughs> when we go when we go over him on my board as well. But uh, number three, a guy. I've loved throughout this process. I'm I'm got my first Thompson twin listed here. I've got Eamon Thompson. I <laughs> love the passing from his his size. He uh, while I say Scoot has the best like floor vision and the best passing in terms of keeping the <clears throat> keeping the offense going and kind of reading the floor being that general. The most impressive passes and the deepest bag of different things he can do passing the ball belongs to Eamon Thompson. He also is an absolute freak athlete to even a higher extent than Scoot. He's six foot seven and had a forty-four inch standing vertical. It's it's something that we we haven't really seen before. And that that's not even all of his athleticism because he's incredibly fast as well. He's a guy who can get above the rim, finish with authority, and also defend at a re- at a really high level. I think he is not not quite the defender that his brother is, but I like what he does off ball, moving around and making impact. I like him as a prospect. I will have to get to him later. Yeah. Because my number four prospect is this is where this is where the epiphany happened for me. Mm-hmm. My number four prospect on my board is Taylor Hendricks out of the University of Central Florida. Uh, there's a lot to like. He's long. Uh, he's actually a little more filled out than, you know, Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. So he can take some of the rigors. You know, he's around 215. Uh, versatile wing. Yeah. Versatile. Um, I actually believe in the ball handling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not super creative, but 
the one thing that I've heard in multiple interviews with this young man, Mm. make the right pass, make the right play, make the right decision, make the, you know, be a connector. These are all things that I've heard out of him. And when you watch his play, it's pretty much like that. Now, does he have some hero ball in him? Yes, because he did play at the University of Central Florida, Mm -hmm. and he was the most talented guy on the team. Mm -hmm. But I can also see him just wanting to win, and he does just a lot of the simple things that um, just impress me. I love how he – there was a play where I watched him – there were several, but mm-hmm. there was where it was a pick and roll action. Yeah. Going to the right hand side. Now, the the defender trailed. Mm-hmm. He showed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now he is tra- now he is he's mirroring the the ball handler as he's coming to the lane. Mm-hmm. But he's he's backed off enough where now the trailing defender yeah. can catch up and give him enough space. But he's long enough where he was able to block the shot. Those type of things, to me, are things that are just innate. Those are you can teach it, but you you either have that or it's a bunch of repetition to get that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, there are so many plays like that that I saw him I saw him just play in positional space mm-hmm. I saw him look have have control of man and ball um I saw him you know make extra efforts when it was a driving kick situation getting out to shooters and then coming in and helping helping out on the boards and helping out on on somebody who drove to the rim um there were so many things that he did that were so positive the thing that you just can't teach is the size, the shooting, and just his ability to work within an offense. And it doesn't matter whether he's the third option, fourth option, second option, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think this kid is plug and play. And I think a lot of eyeballs are going to be opened as soon as Summer League comes around. Was it, it was Murray last year, right? who set it off. A lot of people were like, oh, man, he was... It was him? Yeah, was it, yeah. Was it him? Get, Paolo. Paolo is the one who went... Paolo had a wild... Yeah, and, okay, it just came out, right? Yeah. And you just saw it? Instantly, yeah. I believe this is going to be the same thing mm. with this kid. His his mentality is great, man. I This is my Desmond Bain of, of, of the draft. This is my guy. You're sure. So... So this is this is the guy that I'm 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 riding with. Taylor Hendricks is my dude. He's number four on my board, and uh, I'm really I'm really sold on him. So, who is your number four selection, sir? Well, funnily enough, a lot of the stuff that you said about Taylor Hendricks is kind of how I feel about my number four prospect in Jarris Walker. He's a guy who I think is going to absolutely explode the summer league. Um, I, I love his ball handling. I know, I know there has been some people cooling on it, 
but I think his uh, half-court ball handling, playmaking, passing skills are things you can write home up about basically instantly. He's very talented at doing stuff like that. He can keep the offense going, create passes for other people. The fact that like multiple times in Houston's film, you can see Jarris Walker driving down the lane and live dribble passing with both hands, either hand he can make the pass with. And not and it's also a deep variety of passes. It's incredibly impressive to me. And then you talk about his defensive skills and I I don't often value defense in the college game as highly as some other skills because it doesn't often translate between the college game to the NBA game in quite the same way. However, Jarris Walker, <laughs> you just watch him play and he can do basically everything defensively from a uh, a four five position. He is excellent off ball with rotations, getting up, swatting at the rim and protecting overall, though uh, Hendricks might have a little bit better rim protection overall. Um, the, the off ball, just the off ball movement in general, getting in position is absolutely incredible. And then on ball, he is excellent three through five he kind of can get his feet lost a little bit against some of the smaller guards in the league but that those are very small holes in her defensive game that I honestly think could be defensive player of the year level um in his career at some point the the shot there there are some questions to be had about it because the the release isn't the quickest but the the form overall on it's good. And last year he shot thirty eight percent on uh, uncontested catch and shoot, and that's realistically all you need from him because you you want him dribbling the ball inside the paint rather than taking a three point shot. So you just need that uncontested shot to go in enough that people aren't going to sag off him. So. Overall, the the game of Jairus Walker, it it kind of reminds me in some ways of someone like Draymond Green. And if you can find a prospect that reminds you at all of Draymond, I think that's a guy you need to go get. I can't agree. I mean, this this guy. I mean, I just Jairus Walker is is an absolute physical specimen, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean. There's a lot to like. Yeah. Um, the other thing with him is that uh, you're not gonna have to worry. <coughs> you're not gonna worry about shots mm-hmm. at this point. So that's that's another good part of it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Jarris is my number five. Okay. There we go. So Jarris Walker is my number five. Uh, all the things you said: versatile, physical, pick and roll monster. Finishes through contact. Um, he his defense is going to be better at the NBA level mm-hmm. because of the fact that they will allow him to use his body and his physicality more. Yeah, I agree. So what you see on the film 
is the ability to mirror, especially the four fives. You're right, because one of the reasons why I put Taylor Hendricks number four mm. was because of the fact that the blow by is on Jarris Walker. Yeah. So somebody a little bit quicker afoot, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who has like a little Paul George in him, yeah, is gonna beat him. Yeah, but your four, your true four fives and things of that nature, your slower threes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see you, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think I think there might be a chance that he can pick some of that stuff up because a lot of it it seems like like wasted movement sometimes in turning and chasing some of these guys it seems like he's turning his entire body around instead of just quickly turning on the inside pivot foot so I wonder if that's something that can be coached into him a little better in order for him to get like kind of in those recovery situations more often I the other question mark I have about him is he's not the best rim finisher at this point, but he's so physical and so good at getting to the rim. And on top of that, there are so many different layups that he tries and he does have touch that it makes me think that with a couple years with a good coach in the NBA teaching him how to make a layup a little softer and kind of clean up his game there overall that they, they seem like really solvable issues and that's mm. that's one of the biggest reasons i have jarris so high is because like every problem i have with him i i really think could be coached away and also i think to your point of his feet mm-hmm. and sometimes him getting turned around I think that plays right into the physicality of the NBA. I think with him being allowed to play a little bit bit more physical, allowed to use his body, Mm -hmm. will allow him to be able to kind of set his feet a little bit better. Yeah. Because I think he's one of those guys that if he can feel you, you know, he kind of knows where to position himself. He's very good with, like, weight management and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. You don't know where he is, so I'm with you there. Um, who is your fifth guy? My fifth guy is the other Thompson twin in Asar Thompson. I I love his game as well. He is both the better shooter and the better defender of the twin brothers at this point. Um, that in general that make might make you think that he should go higher but he does while he does have a dribble game and a passing package we we have breaking news so you know oh and it's gonna shock the world okay lionel messi just signed a deal with the major league soccer <laughs> yeah yeah we saw mls that came out, yesterday. That came out yesterday. what is really yeah 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 I just got it. No, well, it officially happened today, but the it broke okay. yesterday. Yeah, Lionel Messi. Okay, yeah, all right, go David ahead. Beckham. I mean, I'm not even a soccer fan, but that's crazy. It's uh, David Beckham's team in Miami. All right, shout out to cool. Messi. That's yeah, that's super exciting. Um, oh my god, our guy Ash is going to be super excited. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so what what I was saying, like he's the better defender, the better three point shooter of the of the two and that might make you think that he should go higher 
but he doesn't quite have the playmaking game at the same level. Though that could be argued, it's because he's played with his brother his whole life, and his brother has been more the playmaker, so there's a chance he could develop that. Um, the main reason, though, I have him a little lower is, while the shot is better right now than Eamon's, the problems I have with the shot are kind of comparable. I think both of them need a lot of surgery on their shot to improve them. It, with Eamon, it's his uh, like inability to face the net a lot of the time, and his legs just do wild things. It's very inconsistent. Wow. Very inconsistent form at the bottom. And with Asar, it's the hand placement that bothers me. Like, he has his guide hand, like, completely on top of the ball in a lot of his shots. And it causes, like, inconsistency in the release. It can cause the release to go low. It can cause you to accidentally cup the ball or or have it go high or whatever. It's it's not something that I think is super repeatable in the league at a high level either, unless you're unguarded. So both of them, I think, will will need a significant reconstruction to their shot. I I would be more confident in Asar to become the good shooter of the two because he's already shown like an ability to hit at that level. It's just always a concern when you're going to have to rework someone's shot to a certain extent. That being said, I absolutely love this kid. I think he can be a great player if he does end up going five like where i have him on the board to the detroit pistons i think that couldn't be a more perfect fit he he has ball handlers to work with he has a shot uh, like a chance to develop his shot because he's going to be relied on to shoot on a team that's not necessarily pressured into winning and he's all his athleticism will also complement very well guys like Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey. I, I kind of think that's a match made in heaven. So I I hope he goes with that selection, but uh I guess we'll have to wait and see. We will. So Nico, since you got the Thompson twins out of the way, who's your number six overall choice? And then I'll go with my six and seven. Well, my number six guy is your number three guy. We've already talked about him a little bit, Brandon Miller. Um, I I like Brandon Miller's game for a lot of the reasons that you said. He's very smooth. He shows potential to be a three level scorer. I, however, question the first level of that three level scoring. The finishing, while much improved throughout the year, it was still inconsistent at times. And a lot of the finishes that he did get off didn't necessarily look replicable. Um, I, I'm i glad that he's gotten this much better and he's worked this much harder on improving his game to this point. That is definitely a good sign. But I, considering his size and his lack of touch in those kind of situations, I'm not the most convinced that he's going to be a good rim finisher. I also have questions about the handle that the handle to me kind of, especially going downhill, he can get loose with it. And again, not, not necessarily the most consistent thing. He'll sometimes try to go back and forth. Sometimes he'll just pound the ball with one hand going to the, the left doesn't work nearly as well for him. He, that it sounds like I'm just shitting on this guy. That being said, I I agree the defense is that is good. 
the defense. He could be more of a POA guy. He he can do that kind of stuff. Uh, I I'd be concerned if he has to like go up against a bigger wing who's going to try punish him in the post. But you just wouldn't get him into that kind of matchup. I think he's uh, a talented POA defender for someone like. Devin Booker I think that would be like a a solid matchup for a guy like Brandon Miller coming into the league so that goes to tell you the level of defender uh, I could see him being also the shooting is impressive to me it's not it's not the best shot I've ever seen or anything but it's very replicable he he can get into it from a variety of angles and he's willing to do so we didn't see much of the mid-range game from him at Alabama this year. That being said, his high school tape is littered with it. So I would anticipate that the mid-range game is something he can still do. Um, I, For me, the, the only question with him is with a frame like this and some questions doing some of the more fundamental things like finishing and dribbling, I I'm concerned if he really has the upside to be that number one scoring type. And if he's not, and if he's not that, I kind of think you need a little bit of a role reconstruction for him, which is always a concern, but overall he's a very talented guy. And I think a team should be elated to get him at six. I, I kind of, as you were talking about earlier, the tiers of players, I kind of have the guys three through six all in the same tier for me. I actually thought of having Hendricks ahead of him. Yeah. At three. Yeah, that's fair. The only reason I didn't is because if the kid hits all all the high highest levels mm-hmm. of his potential, yeah. I think he's gonna be a tick above. But that's a big if. But mm-hmm. like I said, we'll see, right? Yeah. Um, I do believe in the handle. I do. I do believe in the finishing at the rim. I just think he's going to need to just fill out. Uh, and I think he's very self-aware about it, mm-hmm. that he knows that he needs to get more physical to be able to take the pounding that he's going to take inside, you know, in the NBA. So I, I don't, I don't doubt that that could come around. Yeah, you know, but I do doubt if it's if it's all going to hit the the highest levels. Mm-hmm. And that was my thing last night, where I was trying to figure out if I was going to put Taylor higher. And the only reason I couldn't, I was like, this kid has this other level. Yeah, and I just can't put him higher. Mm-hmm. Which then leads me to my six and seven. Mm-hmm. And it's the Thompson twins. Now I have it in reverse order. I have a sore six and I have Amen seven. Yeah. And really what it comes down to is what the role could be and how well defined it can be immediately for the two brothers. Mm-hmm. I believe in the work ethic. I believe in the kids as far as as far as good kids. I believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, coachable, really coachable. Um, it will be interesting to see them apart. 
Yeah. You know, next year to see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But Arsur right now can be a fantastic slasher, and he is also uh, a pick-and-roll creator. I actually wonder, maybe not at at a dynamic level, could you see him as like a more athletic version of Draymond Green? Mm. Well, like you get the you 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 blitz your you blitz Steph right. You get it to Asar, and now it's four on three with Asar making the decisions. He's really he's really fast he with decision making. He is, and I love it. And he doesn't really make a lot of. I mean, there's young mistakes that he makes, mm-hmm. but it's. It's not like oh I I don't think that can be weeded out with him. Uh, um, I think I got a comp that that you might like there. I the hoop intellect Keandre made a comparison recently that's kind of similar to what you're talking about, and it's Andre Iguodala, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the player we're talking about with Asar Thompson, but just in an ideal world. Uh, a three-pointer that develops earlier in his career. The problem with Asar is that he doesn't finish well. No. Um, he could be a great defender. A great defender. Yeah. And then it's going to be all in the shot making. Are mm-hmm. we going to leave you alone? Are we going to pack the payment? And then with Amen, it's basically he's like you said, he's a top one percent athlete. It's it's ridiculous. He's a his his ball handling and creation is stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the best way possible. Um, he'll just fill the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. Six rebounds here. You know, if he's not the primary initiator, six, seven assists, a couple steals, a block, a bunch of deflections. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of NBA teams uh, count those uh, as county stats on their stat sheet. Yeah. He'll have that. Um, he is a open court menace to society. Mm-hmm. You got to find him. Yeah, you do. You got to find him right away. If you don't, you're going to end up on a highlight. It's the jump shot. Mm-hmm. It really is. But with those two, I actually believe that the jump shot will come around. So um, I am in on Amen when it comes to that. Uh, I'm in on both the brothers. And this is where... This is where I say to you the end of the Difference Makers in the draft are to me. I think now we're looking at guys who could be awesome. I'm not saying that they're not going to be phenomenal players, Mm -hmm. but I'm not looking at the guys from here on out as guys that are penciled in as two, three, you know, number twos, number threes type dudes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I 
I think I'm not saying they can't be. Yeah, I'm I just know. saying that we can't just pencil it in. I yeah, I right? I, I see that. I think I personally have one guy I'm higher on that than consensus that I have in this group as well. Um, I have I have the tier as kind of three through six, and then seven and eight in a tier of their own, and it includes your guy Taylor Hendricks, but he is eighth for me. The guy I have seventh is Anthony Black, and I think the the once again it's. It's another one of these stories, like all these guys in this draft. Yeah, a freak athlete, great point of attack defender, good playmaker as a large guard. To me, he reminds me a lot of guys like Josh Gideon, Dyson Daniels, who have came out in recent years. But I, I kind of think the defense might even be at a higher level than Dyson, and the and the like playmaking in in general seems to be also maybe at a higher level i i think i i might like him more than a guy like dyson daniels who i was in love with last year and it's it's like a similar build um coming into the draft i i think i also like him more than i liked giddy coming into the draft and i was all aboard giddy so it it's just like a deep bag of different things he can do and like a point guard lob finisher on top of like great playmaking he can finish he can finish at the rim he can maybe shoot the shot is the big question but with like it is with all of these guys it seems shooting coaches are about to get huge raises in the league overall because of how many of these young dudes are coming in without the ability to shoot but I, I'm really into Anthony Black, and I think he's going to make a similar impact on any team he comes in and joins. I'll save what I have on Anthony Black because mm-hmm. he, he is actually in my top ten. Okay. Sounds good. So that was your number seven guy, right? Yeah. Do you want to say your eighth guy at the same time as I say my eighth guy? Because I think we got the same eighth guy. Oh, no, my, my eighth and I think guy I'm is Taylor. A... My eighth guy is Taylor. Henderson. Oh, you're, that's your eighth guy. Okay, you're, so that's your eighth guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about him. All right. Yeah. I, Do you I, have any other comments? Yeah, I got, a, I got a couple more yeah. comments. I um, Rim protection, I, one of the best in the class. I, I don't think it's particularly close. That thing he does better than almost anyone. Um, it's the tracking, right? For you, is it the tracking? Well, the tracking is just like the willingness to throw his body in front of drivers, like on on the transition. A lot of guys, like even the defensive player of the year, Jaron Jackson, he does the the weak side rim protection like Taylor Hendricks, but what he'll contest the ball every single time, and there's certain situations where you can't quite contest the ball. Taylor Hendricks has an ability to see that and contest with the body in those situations and take the foul if he needs to take the foul. So that that really impressed me. That's in, incredibly nice about his game. I, I also think like LeBron James, this might be the best transition defender we've seen since him. I... I 
I'm shocked with the transition blocks that Taylor Hendricks comes up with continuously. He's got so much length and a willingness to use it. That specific thing, ability to contest the rim in transition is out of this world with Taylor Hendricks. The thing that I'm a little lower than most people on about Taylor Hendricks and why I have him down here is I, I don't like the shot quite as much as everyone else. I, I The top of his form, very consistent. He puts the ball in the right place and he can make shots. I, I did see a lot of times, however, that he was struggling with his legs and leg placement. And it led to some inconsistencies in the form And when he's pressed more in the league, especially as a guy who's coming in with this style, this reputation as a shooter, I think he could struggle in a similar way to a guy like Jabari Smith, the way he struggled this year. That being said, I I, I think Jabari's form was a little more sound. So I, I think it needs a little less work than someone like Taylor Hendricks. Um, uh, and the ball, the ball handling. You mentioned liking it. I've got, I've got more questions about it. I think there's, there's some potential there, but it's doesn't really lead to self-created looks nearly enough. And it doesn't. He didn't use it to create passes and get other people open very, too much. Overall, I, I really like him as a prospect. I just think he's more he's looking more to be a tertiary guy. And I personally don't see as much of a vision for him to be, get to a higher level than that. Understandable. Mm-hmm. Can understand that for the NBA fans or the draft people who are listening to this, you'll understand this as soon as I say it. Taylor Hendricks is going to get 10, 8 to 10 points off just hustle play. Yeah. Every game. Yeah. He, Every game. Yeah. Every game, he's going to make three to five plays. Every game. Yeah. I I didn't get into my comparison for him, but he reminds me a lot of like a Jumbo Tari Eason. I think that's the the same style of player that that it is and he Tari Eason is a guy who in the NBA this year never had a play called for him and still scored relatively efficiently and was one of the better out of position rebounders in the sport I I think Taylor Hendricks is going to be a similar guy but with a larger frame and a a lot more potential in the shot than Tari Eason had I think he's one of those guys that you look up and you go, how does he have 18 points? Yeah, yeah, he very well could be. That's going to be him. It's going to be all the little things that contribute to winning, and that, to me, has him pushed up on my board, which brings me to my number eight, mm-hmm. which will probably be a shock to you. Okay. Because we've had discussions on this oh, okay, person. Okay. Yeah. No, no, I know who it is then. Kason Wallace is my number eight overall pick. Okay. Um, I'm sold on the kid. He takes care of the ball. Yeah. 
Okay, well, let's start there. Um, what do we always complain about with guards who come into this league? Mm-hmm. Taking care of the ball. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. with Casey Wallace. He's going to make the right pass, the right decision, pretty much all of the time. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you think that maybe he would have an issue with is pressure. But I think that comes with repetition. Mm-hmm. As soon as he sees it enough, he'll 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 figure that out too. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> he is not your uber athlete guy. No, no. I am going to say that again. He is not going to jump off the page. He is not going to be out here running circles around John Morant or Scoot Henderson. He's not going to be doing any of that. Mm. You know what he is going to be doing? Mm. Change of direction. Yeah, definitely. Just things that are no things. I'll put it this way. Jamal Murray. Oh. A little bit of Jamal Murray. Mm. Not not the shot. I'm just talking about the change of direction. I'm talking yeah. about being able. He has feel for the game. Mm-hmm. Like Jamal Murray has feel for the game. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. I got... Uh... To me, I think I, I'm coming to the realization that we might just have the same top 10 in different orders. But mm-hmm. uh, Kaysen, to me, he he gives me a little bit more of the Kyle Lowry, Drew Holiday vibe where he like he does have that change of direction, but like all of it's just around like intelligent, intentional plays. And he he's just keeps the offense going correctly. I think the biggest feather in his cap at this point is look at all these other Kentucky guards who were great players in the NBA who went into Kentucky and they couldn't figure out how to be successful at Kentucky. They improved a lot of their skills, but they dropped down draft boards. Kaysen Wallace raised up draft boards doing that, going into that same thing, that same system, learned how to play under Calipari and continued to show out and become the prospect that he is today. I, I'm super high on Kaysen. I love the passing. I love the defense. He, I earlier mentioned uh, Jarris as the best defender in the draft. Kaysen might have an argument against him. That he is a comparable player on that level for sure. So I yeah, I love Kaysen. I he he's my tenth prospect. Now here's the other thing with Kaysen. Mm-hmm. He defends up. Absolutely. He has some physicality to him. Yeah. He's not scared to stick Young his nose dog. in there. This is Jalen Brunson type, you know, like get after it. I'm not afraid of you. You know, he's not going to be, you're not going to talk trash to him and then just be like, he's going to shrink into a corner. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, If that's my number eight and you have Taylor Hendricks at your number eight, who's your number nine? My... My number nine prospect is Cam Whitmore. Uh, I'm I like Cam Whitmore out of Villanova. I I really wanted him to be 
higher on my board. He started the year a lot higher on my board, but the more I watched him, the more questions arose. And I think Villanova definitely wasn't necessarily the right fit for someone like him figuring out the game uh, on that kind of level. I, I like the intention behind it and trying to go to an an intelligent program like that and learn how to play basketball in a different way. But with all the turnover that happened there this year, it just did not work out properly for him. I think a school like maybe Gonzaga would have been a better fit. And uh, unfortunately, though... UCLA would have been the the (laughs) obvious choice. Yeah. Uh, I, I like him a lot, but... He's just a weird prospect. There's no one else I can think of like him. He, I turn on the film one day and I think, oh, this guy looks like he could be Jimmy Butler. I turn on the film the next day and, oh, this guy looks like he could be John Collins. It's like a completely different archetype, role, player, everything. He, he He's like inconsistent in almost a different way than other people and parts like the form is weird the the defense is weird too kind of because he he clicks his heels a lot and falls out of situations and he's caught chasing more often than you'd like i i like him as a player but i i don't know man i i really wanted to like him more that's all i can say Okay, so I think we do actually have the same exact top 10, just in a different order. Yeah. Because Cam Whitmore is 10 for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll just speak on that right now for him. Um, he was injured. So to me, it's a wash. Yeah. I think you were right. He went into a really terrible situation, unfortunately, with Jay Wright retiring mm-hmm. and moving on and what have you. I had him as high as five at one point. Uh, yeah, I had him four, four, I think, at the yeah. beginning of the year. I believe that it all can be basically brought back. Mm-hmm. I just think that we had to get through this year. It was just an awkward year just to throw this year away. Mm-hmm. And we rebuild from there. I actually think he has to go to the right place. Yeah. Not because of, not because I don't believe in the talent. It's just because he is in that situation to me, albeit he played more than James Wiseman. I think he's behind the eight ball just because of all of this, just yeah, up and down, you know, sideways, injuries. Was he going to be the man? Was he not going to be the man? You know, Villanova has guards. They don't like to just share. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot going on yeah. there. So I think Cam Whitmore is a talented guy. I think he can be a impactful player on the defensive end. I think he's a super athlete. I think he can get up and dunk on people. We are going to see some highlights from him next year, no doubt. Yeah. And uh, I just hope he goes to the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of that, Number nine is Anthony Black for me. So there's your, there's the top 10. Mm, so yeah, yeah. there it is. Same. Yeah. Dude. So Anthony Black was my guy. Mm. Um, so all the same reasons you liked him, the connectivity part, he can play, 
He can play big guard if you mm-hmm. want him to. And then you could have the little, you know, the little two guard. Yeah. If that was your choice. Like if some reason uh Portland wanted to move back mm. and do our Anthony keep Anthony Simon <laughs> yeah. and trade that would be Dame Lillard and then get Anthony Block, that would be great. Mm-hmm. You know, him and Shaden Sharp would be awesome yeah. together. Yeah. I'm a big fan, and this is why my board is the way it is, Nico. Mm. I'm a big fan of people playing basketball the right way. Yeah, that's fair. That's why my board is the way it is. Mm -hmm. People can shoot holes in it all they want. They can talk about whatever it is that, you know, oh, you're missing out on this guy, and you didn't see this dunk, and you didn't see him, this dribble package, and all this. There's some... can I just say, just I'm gonna ask a question of you. Mm-hmm. Who, who was eleven? Or okay, not who was eleven. When you were looking at nine and ten, mm-hmm. who were like the like two guys? I know because I struggled with nine and ten, and there's a there's a there's a couple guys that I I almost Cam Whitmore and almost didn't make my top ten. Yeah. So you know. Well, so my question to you is, who did you struggle with? Uh, I Casey Wallace and the guy I have immediately behind him at eleven, Keontae George, who is a guy I'm way higher on than uh, public perception. To me, those two are are pretty close and interchangeable on my board. I I like a lot of what Keontae does, and in, in a lot of the same ways. But I think. Whereas Kaysen is the better like playmaker, Keontae is a shot creator and more of that modern combo guard. That being said, he does, like he came up in the Baylor system and he does play the game the right way as well. He doesn't kind of like hunt his own shot to the detriment of his team. And he competes defensively as well, just, just like someone like Kaysen does. I think the final differentiator for me, which it isn't often in the draft, became the defense, became the fact that I'm a little bit higher on Kaysen defensively. And I think I'm more similar on their offensive games, even though they're kind of, they're quite different. Keontae Joyce was number 11 for me. Oh, man. <laughs> um. And it was hard. Yeah. He was there. He was in my top ten. Oh, okay. Just so you know. Well, there he was we there. are. We're we're in line this year. So here's the here's the one thing I'll say about him. You know, I don't want to go crazy and go overboard because we're coming up on an hour. Seventy hmm. percent uh, finishing at the rim. Yeah. Not bad. Okay. Um, not an Uber athlete but has enough sauce in this game where it does work. Mm-hmm. You might think you got him, but you don't. Yeah. Um, his feel just for the game. Excellent. Yeah. It's different. It's just different. And I love the way he, he moves so well on defense. He mm-hmm. understands like where to go. Yeah. He like you're, he's not going to get lost a lot mm-hmm. unless he's not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, which at Baylor, they kind of beat that out of you, right? Yeah, definitely. So I'm hoping that he keeps that. Yeah. Um, it's the poor shot selection every once in a while because he's in love with his jump shot. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the thing. 
if he can get some of that out of his game, he'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So that was my guy that I struggled with at 10 that I wanted to put at 10. Uh, I just couldn't get there. But that was the one guy I was sitting there going like, if you're true to your, if you're true to the game, if you're true to yourself, this will be your number 10 guy. But the only reason that went more, I kept on going back to him was like, you know what? He was in a really crappy situation. He was coming off injury. It was a wash year for him. And let's see if you believed in him last year, you should believe in him this year because mm-hmm. he was great. Yeah. In the uh, under was the under 17, like uh, under 19, yeah, like the national, the national team. He was yeah. great. Yeah, he was really good. He is. So he's been good basically at every other level. Like he was an incredible prospect coming out of high school as well. I was incredibly high on him. Like I mentioned before, I had him number four coming into the year. And I, I thought there was more of that primary score game in there. And it just, I, the injury could definitely be uh, the main contributing factor, but he seemed like kind of unwilling to look for his own shot at times this year. And whether that's trying to fit into the Villanova system, whether that's trying to, or being not trusting himself because of his injury, it's kind of hard to, hard to tell. But at times it seemed like there were opportunities for him to go for it. And even teammates wanted him to go for certain things and he hesitated. And that kind of kept, causing me to want to move him down, shift him down, shift him down. And that's ultimately the reason why I struggled with him even in the top 10. But yeah, what I kept going back to was when this kid was fully right, he was an absolute beast. Menace, yeah. And I don't think you lose that. Yeah, I, I think you you hit on something with him, though, is did he trust himself after the injury? Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that we also have to talk about. We have to start thinking in evaluation terms. Mm -hmm. Does this become a guy who, oh, I feel a little twinge and I I can't play? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, and we still have time until the draft comes. I mean, we haven't predicted where we think everybody's going and all this, but this is just our board at this point. Um, Nico, man, uh, again, just thank you for... The time and effort, the just the analysis, just thank you so much. Yeah, um, this is what we love to do. Yeah. Our, the question, I guess, is that you brought something up. Um, I'm not going to hold you to it. We do have a game tonight. We do What's have What's your thoughts on tonight? doing a little something, little something, something after? Uh, Give Give the kids, uh, we, give the kids what they want. We can do a quick game preview here. I'm, I'm open to that. Okay, where are we at? All right, we're at 103. Okay, it'll be a little bit longer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I look at this NBA final series, and I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Me too. I'm excited Me too. for the possibility of what could actually happen. Mm-hmm. One, 
I don't know if this is the series for our guy, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I don't know where. Because I heard something yesterday mm-hmm. that gave me real pause. Yeah. Real pause. I don't know if you heard this. The Malone Michael quote? Porter Jr. No. Okay. It was Michael Porter Jr. said they're painting ass to defend. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they're going to do. When you yell, here's the thing that caught me. Yeah. When you yell out switch, they do the opposite of what you think they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing it on the fly, Nico. Miami is moving on the fly. Yeah. They're yeah. being able to move and that cross directional offense that, that gets everybody out to the corners and, and what yeah. have you, that they're running off. Mm-hmm. So what is happening? Um, I know this is an audio medium, but I'll try to explain it the best way I know, I can. <laughs> so if you're at the top of the circle, if you're at the top of the circle, right? So you have the, the free throw line, you have the circle, right? Mm-hmm. And you have your big out there or your forward out there, and they're setting the pick. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> a Michael Malone team, they do a lot of communicating. Mm-hmm. So when they see the pick and roll coming, you'll say they'll say switch. Yeah. Which immediately makes Miami do the exact opposite of what they were actually going to do. So they're doing it literally on the fly. Mm-hmm. They're reading and reacting the offense on the fly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So here's my thing, and I want to throw it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, back in the day, we had a saying, if a team wants to press you, yeah, press them back. Mm-hmm. They want to zone us? Let's zone them back. It's hard. It's hard to play a zone with Jokic out, out there because he has to then play like a typical drop coverage. They they do They do some things like that with him sometimes, but that's not where he's best used defensively. I think it all depends on what you put around him, Nico. Well, it does. It does. But considering the guys they have there right now, I'm thinking the strategy I might try to employ if uh, either Butler or Vincent starts cooking again next game, I might try to go to more box and one or triangle and two type looks to see if you can get the ball out of their hands and stop that ting, 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 ting passing that Miami is able to do. That's now, still a zone. Which is, so we're still talking zone. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but I, uh, sorry, I was thinking not the same zone necessarily that Miami is running. No, no. Yeah. It, no, it, you can't run the same zone because they got Bam. Mm-hmm. And Jokic is slow foot. So yeah. you can't run the same zone. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. can run a, a, a some zone, zone. A zone. Yeah, right. there are there are zone looks they could throw at them for sure. I, I man, I still think the best option is just getting KCP and Bruce Brown out there at the same time. And I understand. I don't disagree with you because I think when I heard Michael Porter Jr. speak, uh-huh. 
it, it it told me something into his soul. Yeah. And what it told me is that even at we talked about this last pot. Mm. I'm not really willing to do what it whatever it takes to win. I'm willing to do some things, not everything. Well, I, and my thing is, is that give me Bruce Brown, give him, give me, give me somebody out there. Not because of the, I just think you're asking Michael Porter Jr. to think a little bit more. And I don't think that's his strong suit. And I'm not saying he's stupid. What I'm saying is, is I'm saying that this is something that he does not enjoy to do. Bruce Brown definitely enjoys to do this. Yeah. KCP definitely enjoys to do this. Mm-hmm. So let him do it. Yeah, I like we talked about last time. I think there are ways they can use Michael Porter Jr. more effectively in this series. I I just think it's gonna require a bit of an adjustment. But I think, like like you kind of mentioned, there are multiple adjustments Denver can make to account for this zone in whatever manner is necessary. So. I I kind of think this is like to a certain extent it can be much ado about nothing. That being said, if Miami wins tonight, all of a sudden we're singing a different tune, and this entire series looks much different. And I'm kind of hoping for that to happen. I just doubt it. Yeah, keep in mind that all this hoopla or ever whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets lost by three points and had a shot to to tie it. Yeah, at the end of the game. So with all of this magic and all of this sorcery and all of the Hemi Butler of it all. Yeah, and Coach Spo just being Gandalf or whoever you want to call him, just being a complete wizard at coaching. Mm. Yeah. They only won by three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Jokic is the best player in this series. I expect them to win. Yeah, they won. Go ahead and prove they won. that you're the guy. Yeah, they won by three, and they gave up six points on stupid KCP three-point shot fouls. Like, they, it was very close to just being a Denver win, and that's kind of the reason I feel like it's much ado about nothing to a certain extent. I just hope it isn't. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we gotta do a Friday pod now. It's coming. So oh, yeah, gotta Fri- think about that. Friday, Friday. I think we're probably gonna be talking basketball again, just because of how much is going on right now. We got the. We got. We are not doing a Friday pod on basketball. No, you're we not. We do a bonus pod. But we are not doing a basketball fight on Friday because we got to give the people what they want. Uh, yeah. We already I cut out football you. on them. I'm not going to cut off the life pot. Well, that's. But we will give you basketball. Um, well, I, I think that. Yeah, you can you can expect a life pod coming. I just, yeah. I think you might also expect another basketball pod coming. Oh, no doubt. More basketball yeah. on the way uh, because. Here's the one thing that I guess we can tease into bonus basketball pod as we come up on 72 minutes of talk time here. Hmm. Number two and number three are in play. 
Mm-hmm. So I think there is real indecision in the Charlotte franchise and also in the Portland franchise uh, on what to do. Yeah. And they're in a huge dilemma. And uh, I can't wait to talk about a couple of the teams at the top we, and what they should do. We also need to do some uh, Harden watch coming up. So uh, get, get ready for it. There's, Every there's new news. drink. There's new news. There's new Harden news. And, uh, oh, my God. It, I don't know what direction it's leaning in, so we'll we'll uh, have to we'll have to cover it. Oh my God, pins and needles for James Harden. Do we need to have a, like a candlelight vigil? Mm. Uh, uh, you know, for this guy at this point. I'll think about it. Little altars or whatever. Anyways, <clears throat> okay, we gotta get up out of here because mm. I'm probably gonna say something. <laughs> bad all right so that's been our uh draft preview and quickly i'll go over my top 10 so because it was that important and it was that spectacular for me um victor one obviously scoot for me too uh and then the real (laughs) question mark is brandon miller at three i had taylor Hendricks at four um I had Jarris Walker out of Houston at five. I had the Thompson Twins at six and seven, but I had Asar ahead of Amen. At eight, I had Kaysen Wallace. At nine, Anthony Black. And at 10, Cam Whitmore. So that is my top 10. I'm excited about it. What's your top 10 again? Uh, number one, I got Victor Wenbanyama. At number two, Scoot Henderson. At number three, Amen Thompson. Four, Jarris Walker. Five, Asar Thompson. Six, Brandon Miller. Seven, Anthony Black. Eight, Taylor Hendricks. Nine, Cam Whitmore. Ten, Cason Wallace. And when this pod goes up, we will be putting out our top tens on Twitter. Yes, um, sir. Along with this, along with a clip of this, uh, this show to kind of tease you into listening to the whole thing. So, if you're at the end of this, for Thank the Canadian you. bomber, for the Canadian shaman, for the Canadian Bill Simmons, for the Canadian Zach Lowe, and forever and always for the Canadian son of Loretta Curran, I am Vince Carter. That is Nico Miatello. We are FRPC, and we will be seeing you very, very shortly.